This is Pivot Perspectives with Chris O'Byrne, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they've learned on their road to success and get exclusive access on how to implement their success into your life and business. Pivot Perspectives is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Chris O'Byrne. So, Joel, welcome to the show. This is going to be the inaugural edition of Pivot Perspectives, and I'm excited that you are going to be the first person on here because you've got interesting stuff to say. Interesting stuff to say. Well, I appreciate it, Chris. Thanks. I'm actually really excited that I am the inaugural guest on the Pivot Perspectives podcast. So, thank you. Yes. Yep. Uh, another way of putting that is you're the guinea pig. So. Uh, Perfect. What I want to do is jump into uh, some questions that are related to what you do. So as an entrepreneur, why should I care about web dev? What is web dev? Why should I care about it? All right. So, I mean, that's it, it's a loaded question from the perspective. It's, it's not just web development. Web development is one aspect of it. It's one small aspect of it. And we've seen all of these growing up in the, in the past. We've seen all of these disparate, uh, technology components. We've seen mobile applications over here. We've seen websites over here. We've seen AI over here is the brand new catchword. We see things that are coming that are all these separate components. And even going back to the day when in this kind of gives away my age a little bit, but back to the day when technology became mainstream, technology was always supposed to help make life easier. And I don't know that any of us could say that it's achieved that goal. Um, it's made life more immediate. It's connected us much deeper in ways that we would have never foreseen. So web development, though, as a component, as one of those components, is critical to entrepreneurs nowadays because the web kind of the new gathering room it's the new digital footprint it's the new starting point for everybody uh because you need an interface to the web to get to everywhere else and and that's why it's becoming even more important we saw back in the pandemic we saw so many people come into the web space and start online stores and start this and start that and it just really increased the need to be able to stand out from the noise. And even today, the noise out there is exponentially grown to the point where business owners are finding it difficult to more difficult, I should say, to fill their sales pipelines, to generate leads, to get heard by their audience. They're, so they're having to look at different ways to do that. And I would say that the web development aspect is the starting point for every entrepreneur, and it has to be a component of your business model, regardless of what you do and who you are. All right. So get the idea of, of web dev, but I think there's, there's some deeper stuff that goes on with web dev. And mm -hmm. uh, so, so going beyond the mobile app, going beyond the website, what are some cool things that I could do with web dev? All right. I mean, great point. So, uh, I mean, I don't know how technical you want to get here, but let's take a look at some of the things that every 
business owner, every entrepreneur should be looking at from a web development perspective is the ability to develop a community. And that's with all of these other components. The develop the ability to develop that community is what gathers people around the brand nowadays. And, and people need a reason. They want a reason to support you. They want a reason to stand behind you. They want a reason to their community. The web development aspect is what communicates that out to the world, not just in text. And, and most people think of websites as these 2D elements. They're not. They're these living, breathing things that need to change on a regular basis. They grow, they, they generate traffic, they interact with clients. They are the first impression. They are the last impression. They're the, um, the impetus behind whether a client decides whether or not to do business with you. So all of these things that make a website feature rich and interactive are they need to be components, but they need to be used in a way that makes sense. And you have developers out there. There are a lot of fantastic developers out there, but there are a lot of developers who don't completely understand the UX UI or user experience, user interface uh, component of web development. A lot of people who throw on bells and whistles just in the hope of having feature sets on their websites that don't necessarily make sense. So you have to have a well thought out and in-depth plan behind the technology behind your website. And that means integrating components, uh, data structures. That means integrating all of the interfaces, making it easy for the consumer to get hold of you, making it easy for the consumer to get support, making it easy for them to find out about your products or services, making it easy to talk to somebody and you have this new AI component that's coming online that people just see the tip of that iceberg. And it's going to go much deeper than that. Not quite yet, but we're getting there. Next five years are going to see some very interesting changes. Okay. I want to get into the AI a little bit more in a little bit. Okay. So flat brochure style website just has the information. Hey, Here's what I do. Here's how you get a hold of me. How do I take that and maybe like create more of a community aspect to it? More inner, more than just again, that 2D site. I mean, that's a great question because you have WordPress is 42% of the marketplace out there. They have a lot of features and plugins and such, but that creates a whole different set of challenges that we need that we can talk about in just a few minutes but how do you take a 2d site that's just a brochure that many people have because they're not web developers and, and rightfully so you look for sites that have easy to use low code no code or i shouldn't say sites i should say cms plat have low code no code functionality that makes it easy for you as a layperson to go in and make these changes or additions. You look for platforms that have high security. One of the challenges with WordPress as the elephant in the room is they use third-party plugins. All of those features and extras that they add in are security vulnerabilities for people that, for nefarious hackers to get into your site and take over your site and take it ransom, which is becoming a it's always been a problem, but it's becoming 
even more of a problem now. Um, so how do you transition a 2D site into a 3D site? Find a platform that supports what you're trying to do, then develop a plan around what would attract a user to interact with your brand. More than just information, what would attract a user to interact? And then put the technology behind that to extend as opposed to finding the best bells and whistles and then trying to build a plan around that. Did that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So and it's funny because when I think of web dev, I guess I think of the like online applications or the software as a service type of sites. You know, there's a, a ton of those, but let's just say CRM is where or Asana or Trello or any of those that have that online kind of interface. It's sort of like the like having software on your desktop, but it's online. And that's always been kind of what is it been the back of my head about what web dev is. And so mm. I came on here thinking, oh, I'm going to ask him, like, what could I develop that would increase the value of my company? For example, I've got a publishing company. What? How could I increase the value of my company using some of that dev magic that you do? Okay. That, yeah. And that's a little bit different question. And I appreciate now what you're trying to ask. So. When I say website development or web dev, I look at that as every company has a representation online and that representation is forward facing. It's what the client sees. It's what directs your, um, your first impression. It's what makes a customer want to interact with your brand. Now you say web dev and, and that's more of a software as a service or software as a cloud-based service is what you're referring to when you talk about applications online. You can say with your website, if you want to create a flow, we can integrate different components into a website. And that makes it feature when I say integrate those components. So say, let's just take CRM, for example, you have New applications, new CRM applications coming out all the time. MPro is one that we're developing and, uh, that's, we're firm believers and I, I'm going to do a quick plug here for MPro because we're firm believers in, in making sure that people have the free tools that they need to build these feature rich environments. So what we do is when we build a website, we integrate the CRM functionality. If somebody needs a little bit deeper CRM functionality, we do that and Impro has a free CRM feature set that people can just go use and start learning how to use CRM to increase their business. But to build this website into a software as a service or to enhance the features of the website, you build the website and you create the features based on what you need, whether that be CRM function, be calendar functionality, whether it be delivery of a service, as a function, all of that can be developed in the back end. And you asked me to quantify it, but that's difficult to do because really we can create almost anything nowadays with different features, different components. Website development is just a field where we can reach as deep into the well as we need to deliver the features that you're looking for.
And I, I, that doesn't really answer your question, but it's okay. about the best I can do. No, no, but it kind of does. So really, I, I need to come at it from the standpoint of what do I need? What's, what's the functionality right. that I'm looking for? And then how do we build the stuff that makes that work? Uh, and let me add calculate. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. So no, no, let no. me add, add one last thing to that. That's why it's so critical to work with some understands the abilities that can be added to a website or to web development, but not just to bolt stuff on, but to truly understand, to take the time to learn your business, to truly understand what features will help you build that community rather than just the majority being able to translate those business requirements into technical requirements is probably the most difficult component along the way. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense because people like me who like the gadgets and the shiny stuff, we think in terms of, oh, what kind of cool things can we add to our website so that people see how cool we are? <laughs> uh, you know, learning the hard way. Now, I've got to look at, you know, the customer and the, the business and the brand first, right. and what's going to support that. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we all sense. want to be the cool kid on the block, right? Absolutely. I've <laughs> been waiting my whole life for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to get there, so it's all good. <laughs> so then let's kind of switch gears into AI. Um, okay. What's it's between AI and AR? What are they? And are they going to converge? Are they the same thing, just different pieces? What What's going on with that? Um, that's actually a really good question. So I don't want to take up all day going through the, the definitions and explanations, but let me just try it this way. AI, what we see with open AI and chat GPT, all of these are just tips of the iceberg. Haven't. I, AI has been around since technology has been around. There's always been the dream of building AI. Um, AI is kind of a misnomer. Is artificial intelligence in that it, it includes reasoning behind it, the ability to make decisions without data sets to rely on. Uh, machine AI is the ability to mimic decisions based on information that's being fed into the system. Like when we grow up, we're learning every day we have input and we have interface and we have the ability to take on data. And that's what that's where we learn how to make our decisions. That's how we learn how to interact with people is based on millions and millions and millions, if not quadrillions of records that we interface with as we go through the years. Machine AI is the same ability. It's the ability to learn by rote based on the information that's being fed to the system. So when you get an AI response, it's simply a matter of going through a machine, going through all of these that it's had, finding one that's as similar as it can be to the one that you're asking it, and then being able to answer based on the ability to take all of that data and apply it to the response. Um, AI has been around. If you look at self-driving cars, that's AI. That's the ability to take data inputs based on all of these sensors and cameras on the car 
that's saying that, oh, I see white lines. I better not make that lane change unless the turn signal's on and I've checked my rear view. And then once I've done that, then I can make that lane change safely. And that's what AI is, is the sophisticated ability to mimic responses. The challenge being, and some of the, what's brought it to light is some of the levels deep. We used to be able to go so many levels deep to get an AI response. But the challenge being responses have gone now so many levels deep and the neural linguistic programming behind these responses is so sophisticated that we get lifelike or almost real responses. I mean, we've been able to trip up AI and everybody's done everything they can to trip up AI as they practice with chat DPT and stuff. But really, the exponential leap that we just made in the AI field has brought to light some capabilities and some of the risks associated with using artificial intelligence. Um, I mean, for instance, a professor being able to understand whether a paper or an essay is generated by AI or generated by the student becomes a challenge. I mean, if it's too good, it is probably generated by AI, right? So um, there's all of the ethical and moral dilemmas associated with AI, but there's all great benefit that can be associated with this neural ability to program machines to wrote millions of times deeper than we can in a short period of time. Um, that said, then you brought up the question AI and AR. Okay, AR is augmented reality. It's a form of virtual reality. Virtual reality is where you're completely immersed and you can't see outside. AR is a different type of reality. It's an augmented reality. So when you look at Augmented reality, if I wear a pair of glasses, and I've got some sitting on my desk right here, if I wear a pair of glasses that I can see through, but yet computer images can be overlaid, that changes navigation, I can deliver a speech, and it can be right there in my glasses. So I'm not looking at teleprompters or anything else. It's right there in my glasses, and I can be natural. I can be moving around. The microphone can be right in my, in my headset. So I'm no longer tethered to a podium. Uh, I mean, that's just a short example. If I'm riding a bike with navigation on trails that tells me go this direction to get to a certain location, that's another form to be able to flip through operating systems just right in front of my eyes while I'm walking down the street. Imagine driving and texting. You can text without having to either take your eyes off the road. I mean, the possibilities are endless from an AR perspective. So now you asked about merging AI and AR, and I apologize for the long answer. I know it's a super long answer. But oh, it's a great answer. Uh, thank you. Um, AI and AR are not yet merged. There's this convergence that's coming, and, and it's really interesting because for those of us in the industry who try to be as forward looking as possible. I mean, it's the bleeding edge as opposed to the cut. But when you look at AI, it sits in this silo. When you look at AR, it sits in this silo. And it hasn't taken off yet. But now you've got businesses, I mean, Target, uh, some of the other brands that are 
putting clothes and imagine transforming shopping malls to where they're virtual. Imagine transforming and, and you've got these physical shopping malls. How do you reinvigorate those? You, you transform the way you do business and it's not going to be a choice for many business owners, entrepreneurs, et cetera. It's not going to be a choice that they can make as to whether or not to change their business. They're going to lose their current business model with AI. Then comes AR. VR and AR are very similar. Um, then you've got blockchain. Uh, everybody thinks when, when you say blockchain, everybody thinks, oh, crypto. The high, that's not the reason the blockchain was invented in the first place. Blockchain was invented as an immutable peer-to-peer -peer data storage mechanism. And what that means is as long as I can't violate the chain with certain types of attacks, then that data goes out on that chain, is held by all of the people have access to that chain, and it's immutable because it, you change it on one person's computer, all of these other computers say, no, that's not right. Put it back to where it was. And so it becomes immutable. Imagine having real estate transactions out on blockchain. Now you no longer have a question of clouded title. You have the ability to go and search that blockchain. Here's all of the transactions that happened with that piece of real estate. There's no questions. It's immutable. It's unchangeable. You can't lose the records because it's there forever. So what happened on oh, then you add the metaverse, right? And then you add data. So what happens when these silos start to converge? And that's where the paradigm shift is going to come to industry. And again, I'm just droning on. I apologize for that. But that's where the paradigm shift comes that's going to change the entire landscape of the way we do business. So I'm done. <laughs> no, that's yeah, don't don't apologize for that. So yeah, so as you're talking and I'm thinking a convergence of AI and AR. I've got these glasses. I go to a conference and facial recognition, it recognizes each of the people, tells me who it is. And then while I'm talking with them, it's also because it's connected with AI and the, and the, and the web, it's, it's feeding me information from their social media channels, what their interests are, uh, purchases. Uh, imagine knowing about people you talk about not forget forgetting names you you actually now have all of this data at your disposal anything that's in your and we'll get into data in just a few minutes but you have all of this data at your disposal that tells you well this is john jones and guess what he's bought a million dollars worth of stuff from you so you better pay attention to him and he likes horses and he likes flying and he likes golf so you better talk about those things and imagine the intelligence that where do you draw the line though? And this is an example of AR glasses. I mean, it's pretty slim. This is not going to get any bigger. So as they become more refined, I mean, imagine now I can see everything that I need to see. I'm talking to you. Oh, I learned everything. Oh, burn and have all that information right here i don't forget your name <laughs> it, it's it's really it's kind of amazing the the things that we're going to be able to do soon but it's also very overwhelming there's always a a negative to the positive life always balances out and so does technology so
Yeah. Yeah, that it does. I, I, you know, I kind of see AI as, as a way for us to, to navigate all that data because there is so much and it is overwhelming. There's just so much out there. But now I can go on a chat GPT and instead of st- typing something into Google and searching through all the search results, checking this and that, I can just type it in there or Bard or Bing's AI. Right. And I just, it, it kind of knows and narrows down and gives me almost exactly what I'm looking for and it's interact with and tweak it. So now I'm not overwhelmed by all of this stuff because even if I'm looking just for one piece of information, it's still all piling into my head and I have to, you know, the brain has to sort it out and use right. all the glucose. And, uh, <laughs> so, so you were going to say something more about data. Data sure. seems to be the weak point in all this. It's actually not. It's not that it's the weak point. It's that it's overwhelming. It's the dam of information. Okay, taking a step back, we look at data and kind of the history of data. People have been collecting data. Amazon was one of the first pioneers of data with their projection engine when they came out back in the late 90s. As you bought on their store, they recommended another item for you to purchase. That was the genesis of AI because this projection engine used AI to go in, mine data, said, oh, he likes this. So he probably will like this, this, or this. And we can increase the sale to this person by recommending these other items at the time that they purchased this. So that was kind of the genesis of this whole, and and there's a lot more that went on behind the scenes, but that's the first forward-facing use of AI that I know of, Um, and I, I could well be wrong in that. But data collection started really becoming mainstream late 90s. In fact, you look at the tech sector bust back in 2000, that was all around collection of data. The model for most of these companies that VCs were throwing millions upon millions upon millions of dollars at was we will collect their names and we will convert them to paying. Well, of course, that business model didn't work out too well. So uh, a lot of companies went belly up. VC money dried up for a long time. But the data collection never stopped. And now it's gotten to the point where big companies, Apple, Google this year, Apple, I think September of 2019 with iOS 14.5, started putting a fence around. And there's two different types of data. One is just general data, public information, and the other is consumer intelligence. And consumer intelligence is purchasing habits. It's what behaviors will affect purchasing decisions. And this intelligence, big tech is starting to put a fence around this data because they want to own this data. Uh, and then you have general knowledge, which is like a, an AI interface that you can get to all of this other data that's just and available to anyone. And you brought it up. Uh, in fact, you said it. From the perspective of AI is going to help us sift through this data. When we, we're overwhelmed, everybody with all of the data inputs, everything that's going on, everybody is overwhelmed. So you, 
how do you filter that data? And AI, I think, is going to be one of the big helpers in doing that because it will give us a better view of relevant data. And when we ask a question, okay, you sit through all of this information, you go do the searches, you do the Google search, I'm not going to spend my time doing that. You bring, bring me back the piece of information I need to make a decision. And that's how we can probably better leverage or best leverage AI to help us as opposed to create another uh, bell or whistle. So I can also see AI working behind the scenes for people's websites. They starts tracking, you know, because already like with hot jar and different technologies, you can track where people are moving their cursor and they're clicking. And then AI comes along and starts analyzing that data on the fly and presenting information that they think is going to well, result in whatever they're looking for, which is usually a sale or a conversion of some point. Um, How about we do this? And I, I know you're probably coming to a question, so I'll, I'll wait and then then let me know. No, 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 you go ahead. Okay. How about we do this? Instead of just AI collecting data, how about, and we're already working on this, just so you know, how about AI making updates to websites based on visiting behavior? How about AI changing word flow? If somebody exits out of an article or a piece of content too early, how about AI understanding, oh, they seconds, let's change that section that they were on. Let's make it more appealing. How about AI building websites? Already working on that as well. So. There's a lot of exciting things that are coming down the pipe. We just want to make sure that there are things that are useful and beneficial. And there's going to be a lot that's not. There's going to be a lot of noise in that area and a lot of people offering things that, hey, come visit our new AI thing that is really just a another bell or whistle. But when we can start changing websites based on behavior, that's pretty significant. So. Yeah, so it takes that, yeah, the, the dynamic content to a, another level. I it mean, does. Changing it on the fly as they're reading, even, <laughs> you know, changing whatever the, the article is. Oh, boy. So, predictions then. What, what do you okay. see um, in a year from now? What do you see maybe in three to five years from now as far as the capabilities or how we're using AI in our lives, in our business, even if we want to narrow it down. Right. That is a very, very broad question, but let's, let's narrow it to business. Yes. So yeah, the ability for AI and, and like I said, we've only seen the tip of the iceberg as the public to what AI can do. Where it's going to impact us as a from a business perspective, it's going to change the way jobs are done. And everybody's so afraid it's going to eliminate my jobs. It, it may eliminate the job you're doing now, but it's going to give you the ability to grow in that job and do more because AI takes care of them under you. We have to look at it and use it as a tool. It, it's not a reasoning being. And I see. I see uh -oh, yes. articles coming out as like, AI can solve your loneliness. You're talking to a machine. 
and that's maybe some people find comfort in that. That's not for me to judge or decide, but it's strictly a machine that's there to do a job. And if you look at it as a tool to better do your job, then don't look at it as a threat. Look at it as a way to increase your productivity or to tackle the things that you would rather be doing or could be more fruitful at and adding value to your company that AI can take over. It's the ability to eliminate the things that are generic. And when it comes to reasoning, when it comes to uh, the ability to take soft data and make decisions, AI is not going to replace the human function in that from that perspective. So rather than business owners who try to avoid it are going to get caught in the landslide that covers them up. Business owners who adopt it and try and learn the best way to utilize it in their businesses as a tool to increase productivity, to increase experience, customer, customer experience. I mean, you look at a website and a chat bot, right? That's AI. That's all it is. It's just neural linguistic programming to answer questions based on previous history. So now imagine a more interactive experience. We do chatbot programming for a lot of different sites, and we are now able to take what was a very structured, very, okay, if they say this, they say that experience. And now we can make it a much more dynamic experience where people interact and they actually get the answers they're looking for without having to go through an entire workflow of answers and response or questions, response, question, response. They can go straight to the question they're looking for because now AI, when it answers a question, is answering the question, not leading them through a workflow, if that makes sense. So the the to sum it all up, embrace what's coming or get buried by it. So. Yeah. Yeah. Just think of it, like you said, as a tool, as an assistant. so one more question. The when do you think that we'll see the interaction or the ability for AI to interact and directly with software? And what I mean by that is here's an example. Uh, one of the things we do in my business is we design books using InDesign. When will I be able to see something similar to there's a my my chat interface design a book? This this side pattern is this kind of thing, and it will interact with another piece of software on my desktop and create that design for me. When do you think that sort of interaction will start happening? Do you mean, do you want me to go ahead and send you to the place that already does that? Well, tell me about that place, <laughs> smart Alex. So... <laughs> <laughs> OpenAI has the has a product called Dal E, D A L L hyphen E. And it's they were the Yeah, and they were the ones who started the genesis of AI based image building. And you can it's available now. I think it's I don't know if it's open source or still in beta, but you can access that software, tell give it much like you do an AI chat GPT. Give it a description of the type of uh, 3D rendering of a uh, bicycle with a dog running beside him. 
and you can go, it will build that image. Oftentimes the results aren't exactly the best yet, but that's the starting point. And you ask when, I think within the next three to five years, you're going to see this explosion of, you already see all of these AI companies coming out, right? But in the next three to five years, and I didn't quite finish the timeline response from the last question. Within the next three to five years, you're going to see this explosion of integration. And when I say that is you've got all of these software bases are already saying, oh, how can I get on the AI boat? Well, the same is going to be true for the imaging boat. Look at Facebook and their imaging. Uh, look at some of these other companies that are starting to build these integration pieces that will do exactly what you asked, which is how do I build a book cover this X size that has X, the primary author has these other five authors as the secondary authors that has a picture that's relevant to this topic that can be built in both a 3D format and as a photographic format. I mean, that's where it's right around the corner. So, yeah, yeah, and that's I'm excited about that. I'm I'm, I'm nervous, but at the same time, I realize <laughs> the the lag of how many people are going to be like, oh, I could just use AI and have it make my book covers for me. There's I, I know there's just there's so much more into it. So I'm I'm actually really looking forward to that. Um, and and let me and yeah, even, I, I left out a big piece. So AI is already it's going to change the way that code is written. And and you asked about that. If it's gonna build websites for people, it's going to it's gonna create low code, no code solutions. That and well, what about all the coders and programmers out there? it changes the job it doesn't eliminate it there's still so much integration that has to happen to integrate between point a and point b that you know you're not going to be able to find a machine that's able to reason through some of the old code that's out there but as you start rewriting code base and stuff it's going to change the job but it's also going to bring a lot of functionality to people that didn't have that capability before yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always the, the you know the doomsayers. Oh, this is gonna. I mean, when the web came out, uh, you know, online selling, e-commerce. Oh, it'll never happen. Business. Yeah, ebooks. Oh, bookstores are gonna go out of business. We won't see another bookstore. It changed. It shifted. Things, things are always shifting. Things are always changing. Right. It's yeah. It's just silliness. This is a good conversation. Yeah, you well, got good. me thinking in a lot of a lot of different ways. Thank you, everybody listening to this is going to start hopefully coming up with some ideas and and hopefully be a little less afraid and more embracing of what's coming along. So, how can people learn more about you and what you're doing and how you're using AI to completely change the world, or at least what you're doing right now? we're working on it and we don't want to as i said we're we don't want to come out with solutions that are half-baked or just to be able to put an ai moniker on it but we already have ai content generation capabilities with our do-it-yourself website builders we already have a lot of the groundwork laid we've been involved with blockchain for a long time now we are already working on ar ARs. 
We're already working on AI initiatives. The software company I have is ProShark. You can find us at ProShark.com. And I would strongly encourage if you have a question, if you just want to discuss how your business can utilize AI as a tool and maybe the best way to integrate it, and maybe it's not right for what you do, but let's at least have a conversation about it. You can schedule an appointment on the website. I'm happy to have this conversation. It's something that we are very proactive about because, again, I think if you don't understand the ramifications of what's coming, it can seriously either negatively or positively impact your business. So, again, it's ProShark.com. Awesome. Thank you, Joel, for coming on the show, being our guinea our inaugural guest. <laughs> and- <laughs> well, I, no, I appreciate it. And uh, I mean, great questions. And thank you for having me. I enjoyed being the guinea pig. Awesome. Thanks again. All right. Take care. Thanks for listening to Pivot Perspectives with your host, Chris O'Byrne. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advice on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we will see you on the next episode.